My Govan, and welcome to Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and for some reason, pop culture websites just cannot seem to get things right when it comes to the Lord of the Rings. I've debunked Screen Rant in the past. I think I've debunked some other website in the past. Maybe I just did Screen Rant twice, but for whatever reason, a lot of these websites that deal with pop culture just do terrible jobs of explaining things about the lore or whatever. Well, the website Grunge has a YouTube video out, which I will link in the description below, which is all about things that you believe about Lord of the Rings that are false. And, you know, a lot of the time, what they say in there is kind of true, but what they're saying people believe is like, really, do people believe that? And then sometimes some of the stuff they say is just plain wrong. So let's debunk that. So the first point raised in this video is that hobbits apparently are weak, but didn't you know they like fought off an army of men in the Shire and the Scouring and they're actually really kind of awesome? It's like, well, okay, yeah, if all you watched was the Lord of the Rings movies by Peter Jackson or really any of them because none of them deal with the Scouring, you wouldn't know that they fought men in the Shire. But, I mean, like one of the whole points of the story is that hobbits are not as weak as they seem. Also... That thing about fighting men in the Shire, they weren't fighting an army. They were fighting maybe a posse, and they vastly outnumbered the men they were fighting and had them trapped in a really bad tactical position. It's not like hobbits can actually, like, really stand on a par with men if it came to a straight-up fight on a melee battlefield. That's not happening. And the second false fact you believe about Lord of the Rings is Sam is just comic relief. But, it, you know, it turns out he's actually a really cool character, and he resists the power of the ring and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but anybody who watched the movie even knows this about Sam. Who actually believes that Sam is literally just comic relief? Nobody. Nobody actually thinks that. I mean, remember, if you watched any version, well any version. There's really only one version that gets to, you know, the Kirith Ungol and Shelob stuff, but if you watch the movie and you know anything about it, he's the one who takes out Shelob. Like, there's really no way of mistaking the fact that Sam is not merely comic relief. So again, where they're getting this, I don't know. Oh, and a final point about Sam, too, is he resisted the temptation of the ring, yes, but He's not the only one to do so, and he was, in fact, tempted. In the book, we don't really see it in the Peter Jackson movie, but we do see it in the Rankin-Bass Return of the King. Sam is very tempted by the ring. He walks into Mordor, and almost the first thing that happens is he sees delusions of grandeur of him turning the entirety of Mordor into a giant garden, and it's only close to the breaking point of putting on the ring that he finally realizes, wait a minute, that's a stupid idea, why would I do that? I don't want to put on the ring. So it's not like he's the most ring-resistant person ever, and that's what makes him awesome. I mean, that's part of what makes him awesome is his resistance of the ring's lure, but that's really not as unique as they make it sound. Third on Grunge's list is that Valinor is really hard to get to, and in the context of saying this and explaining it, they also act like Valinor is the equivalent of heaven in Middle-earth. No, it's actually not... There is no heaven in Middle-earth, because Middle-earth is, like, Valinor is just another part of the world. It, it, or was, until Numenor was sunk, and it became, like, this thing kind of on its own. But it's still not heaven, it's just where 
you know, the Valar and the Maiar and the elves all live. That's really all it is. The ultimate destination of men after they die, presumably that's heaven, but we don't even know that because it's really kind of just vaguely hinted at in the Silmarillion and all this stuff. But the main point here is they say, well, all you need is a boat. Well, kind of. Like, before Numenor sank, literally anybody could theoretically sail to Valinor. But after Numenor sank, Valinor is no longer part of the globe. It's just not attached. The only way you get to Valinor is by sailing on the straight road, which only happens if you're an elf or if you are given some kind of special grace to find it. So it's not as simple as just building a nice raft and sailing west. It's not that easy. Their fourth one gets confusing because it's all about the aging aspects of the ring, and it seems like they think that the ring is what causes the aging, or at least that's what people believe about it. It's not really clear. The way they describe it is seemingly contradictory because they bring up the fact that you know Bilbo is so much older than Rivendell, but that was after he gave up the ring. Well, yes, everybody knows that. It's the giving up of the ring that makes it to where he ages faster. But it's not even really clear that this is what happens in the books. Because in the books, we don't get any indication that Bilbo seems much older until after the ring is destroyed. Similarly, as they themselves point out in the video, Gollum has been without the ring for 77 years plus, and yet is still walking around, even though by this point he's over 500 years old. Which means... Even losing the ring doesn't instantly age you, or Gollum would be dust. So, their whole analysis here is just confused. Their next one is the idea that elves didn't go to Helm's Deep, which, you know, anybody that's read the book knows that that didn't happen. So, you know, why this is a big deal, I don't know. I mean, it's... Movies change things from the book, so this is kind of a weird one to pick on, but... The other thing that they add in here that I thought was really kind of dumb is that elves in the book just kind of don't seem to do anything, and they could have probably stopped Sauron's rise again if they had just paid more attention. It's like, eh? Like, the elves, there's not that many of them left in Middle-earth. There's probably fewer elves in Lothlorien than there are in pretty much any kingdom of men. Rivendell is way far away. And then there's Mirkwood, and they've got their own problems with Dol Guldur. So, I don't really think the argument holds that if the elves had just been a little more proactive, they could have prevented Sauron's return. I don't really think that's accurate. The next one is one where they do actually make a legitimate point, which does, I think, probably confuse some people, because they point out that the Eye of Sauron is not like in the Peter Jackson movies, a literal blazing eye. Even though, you know, in the book, you never get a whole lot of references to what the eye is, but there are references to the eye. But it's always pretty clearly in context some kind of a figure of speech. It's not a literal eye. It's just the you can feel that Sauron is looking at you or looking for you. So, you know, Frodo feels this on, you know, the, the hill of Amon-Hin, when he puts the ring on after escaping Boromir, and there are other instances of this as well. And this is almost certainly a reference to the fact that Sauron is probably using the Palantir that was captured from Minas Ithil, which is now Minas Morgul, 
and using it to look around and see what his enemies are doing and that sort of thing. But we do know, as they point out, that he has a physical form at this point. What they get wrong is that we don't know much of anything about his physical form. We actually do know a couple things. One, it ain't pretty, because after being destroyed in the fall of Numenor, he can't take a fair form anymore. And also we know he has nine fingers. How do we know this? Because Gollum straight up tells the hobbits there are only nine fingers, or four fingers, I forget how he words it, on the black hand. Because remember, he lost a finger to Isildur after he was defeated by Gilgalad and Elendil. So we know he's not pretty, and we know he's missing a finger. So we do know something about what he looks like. Grunge's next point is that Aragorn, you know, there's no indication in the movies that he's older than like, you know, maybe early 40s or something like that. And that's true. If you watch the theatrical cut, you wouldn't know. But there is the extended cut, which I think they do mention in the video where he explains to, well, he doesn't explain really. Eowyn just kind of infers it because she finally gets him to admit that he's 87 and she's like, oh, you're one of the Dunedain, which how she would know any of all that is, you know, beyond me. But anyway, that's not the point. But it's like, yeah, that is in the extended cut, and all the super fans of the movie watch the extended cut, right? At any rate, the age of Aragorn is kind of not, this is kind of like the Elves and Helms Deep thing. Yeah, a lot of people who aren't super fans and don't look into the lore don't know how old Aragorn actually is, but does that really make a difference? Like, that's kind of a weird one to pick on to me. Their next point is one with which I just completely agree, which is, in the books, Faramir is not a jerk. Second to last is the issue of Eowyn killing the Witch King and how all that goes down. And here their argument is kind of like true, but not necessarily really the point, because they argue that, you know, she didn't kill him on his on her own, but literally anybody who watches either the Rankin Bass or the Peter Jackson version of the Return of the King already knows this: that Mary stabs the Witch King in the back, and then she stabs him in the face, and that's what does him in. Like we already know this; this is not a secret. And yes, the prophecy is that no man will kill him. But that could be played in so many different ways. Is it like, is it Eowyn because she's not a man? Or is it Mary because he's a hobbit? Is it, I mean, you could look at it all kinds of different ways. Also, they bring up the fact that Mary's sword is like specially designed to make the Witch King vulnerable or whatever. And I'm like, well, I've done a video on that topic before. And it was actually a response to Hello Future Me because he is a proponent of the theory that the, the Barrow Blades are really the reason that the Witch King ends up dying. I'm not convinced of that, and so I'm going to link my video responding to Hello Future Me in this video so you can watch it and decide for yourself. But short version of it is, yes, it says that the Barrow Blade was particularly bitter and it broke the spell binding his, you know, sinews and whatever to his will, but I don't think that that's implying that the Barrow Blade was the only thing that could have done that. I think that much like the Elven Blades were a terror to the Orcs, the Barrow Blades and other Numenorian slash Arnorian swords would have been, you know, 
terrible to Angmar and its, you know, Witch King and anyone in the service of Angmar. But I don't think they were prerequisites to taking down the Witch King because the language is not that the they were made for the destruction of the Witch King. That was not, that wouldn't even make sense really because if a man can't kill him and like practically everybody in the Arnorian army presumably was a man, what would it matter if you had one of those special swords? So I really don't buy the idea. But anyway, different discussion. Check out my earlier video. Finally, their last point is, why didn't the eagles just fly to Mordor? Uh, and of course, their their analysis here is perfectly fine for something that's limited to like a minute or so. Uh, you could go a lot deeper with this subject, and I and a lot of other YouTubers have done so. You can find multiple analyses of this topic pretty much anywhere you look because it's an ongoing annoyance to most of us Tolkien fans. I'll link my own video in the description below, but you know, just search YouTube for why didn't the Eagles fly the ring to Mordor or something and you'll find probably half a dozen right off the bat. So anyway, that's my debunking of Grunge's video, which I found really, really annoying and dumb because like for some reason none of the pop culture videos out there can just get any of this stuff right. At any rate, if you enjoy the video, please do give it a thumbs up and share it around. Follow me on Twitter at JRRTLore for occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions. You can also follow me on some YouTube alternatives like Rumble and Odyssey, and I've also got podcast versions of these now coming out, so check your favorite podcast distributions. And of course, please do subscribe to the channel, click the bell icon to get all the notifications, and you can support me on Patreon. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye.